Hello, all. Welcome to the Hope Without Sight podcast with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans. The topic of this podcast will consist of many stories of people from various backgrounds and experiences who have had many challenges and have been able to successfully overcome them and rise to the top. So sit back and relax as we give you the best of these diverse stories. Because if you are feeling down and out, like you cannot make it in the world, then this podcast is the right one for you. Because if my guests can make it, so can you. Happy listening. Well, hi, everyone. And uh, this is an unusual podcast for Unstoppable Mindset, as well as another podcast you're going to hear about in just a moment. I'm Michael Hinkson. We also have Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans, right? Yes, correct. Yes. There you go. We got three of us and we're going to be doing interviews for two podcasts today. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to start by just telling you you're listening to me on Unstoppable Mindset. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this today. And we'll get into why and all that in just a minute. But Sailor and Tyler, why don't you go ahead and say what you'd like to say to start? Oh, yeah, this is cool. So, yeah, this is Sailor Cooper with the Hope Without Sight podcast for episode 24. And to my right is... This is Tyler Evans. And, yes, yeah, so we're going to interview each other on a podcast. So we're going to do one. We're going to combine two podcasts into one. Unstoppable Mindset and Hope Without Sight. I'd like to introduce to all of you this very special, well-known public figure who has been blind since birth. He is best known for surviving the September 11th attacks after escaping from the 78th floor of Tower 1, the World Trade Center, with his guide dog, Roselle. He escaped down 78 flights of stairs, even leading his form, his colleagues down to safety. And because of his actions, he is here today. And not only that, he has changed the world so much. Michael, how are you doing this morning? Doing really well. Thanks very much, Sailor. And let me tell you about Sailor and Tyler just a little bit. Both of them were born in the early 1990s, Tyler in 19. 19- 91 and Sailor's the Kid, 1993. And both of them, like me, were born premature. And all of us have become blind due to a circumstance known originally as retrolentral fibroplasia, now known as retinopathio prematurity. What it basically means is things happen to your retina when you're born prematurely and you're given a pure oxygen environment. So you all are listening to three blind folks today. And, and we have an and we have an audience here. You want to introduce yourself? Well, I will introduce myself because I am so proud of all three of y'all that what you've donated to the society of especially working with blind individuals. But th- uh, my name is Teen Corey, and I am Sailor's grandmother, and uh, so I'm going to enjoy uh, listening to y'all as part of the audience. So. Y'all go for it. Well, awesome. team, Thank you. team, we want to hear all the gossip about Sailor. 
<laughs> oh, well, I have some. I so. want the stories. That oh, has I to come out. I think we're going to have to set up another interview because it's so long. We'll Good. We can do that. <laughs> Not a problem. Same with well, me. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. Well, yes. so Sailor uh, and, and Tyler, why don't you just tell us a little bit about each of you and okay. um, kind of how you got started, where you, you know, you obviously you uh, were born in Texas. But tell us more about your lives growing up and so on. Oh well, sure, sure. Let's let's start. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm Sailor Cooper. Um, as it meant, as it says in my bio, um, I was born in June of um, 1993 um, near Houston, Texas, in Conroe. Actually, just uh, not too far from where we are now. And your mother, your grandmother, drove your mother. So that you could be born. Yeah. Oh, thanks for adding oh, yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course, I was born three months prematurely. Um, and um, of course, that developed retinopathy prematurely. Uh, however, I can see that I have a vision I have now, thanks to one of the best doctors for retinopathy prematurely in the world, which is located in Detroit, Michigan. And so I was lifelighted there at three months old and had like seven eye surgeries in both eyes. And what a coincidence, because Tyler, to my right, um, saw the same doctor. Yes, I did. And one. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so thanks to him, I'm able to see what I could see now. I, I could see in my right eyes, my best vision. I could see shapes, colors and pictures uh but distance is my main issue in my left eye it's, it's just light um so yeah that's that um uh between ages uh between age two and three uh, i moved to the cancun riviera my area of mexico where i uh, primarily grew up uh became bilingual both fluent in english and spanish um went to school there up until eighth grade then i came back here uh, to the Houston, Texas area, attended public school for a little bit, and then uh, and then went to the Texas School for the Blind because I wanted to be like an environment exposed uh, to more um, to more folks like me. Makes sense. <laughs> and uh, graduated high school in 2012. Did two years of college, uh, and I just. Okay, I I just decided it just wasn't the right fit. So I um I I've had quite a few jobs in customer service, um, and recruiting and staffing, even some English and Spanish interpretation. And however, it's it's just been difficult to find a job, but not only that, advance within a company due to the due to as you say it, Michael. I love how you how you uh how you premise this it's not blindness is not a problem it's the negative attitudes that society has on us and employers are not willing to provide reasonable accommodations whenever they are legally required to and so as a that result that's why I'm pursuing entrepreneurship I've started my help without site podcast uh, which focuses on people who have overcome challenges in life, 
along with a 24-7 internet radio station, Real Variety Radio, which plays all genres of music, um, even some talk. And my goal is to just inspire others, make money via affiliate marketing, um, membership services, premium media packages, who knows, even writing a book. So yeah, that's that's my life story in a nutshell. Up well, to we'll now. get, and I want to get back to some of that in in a little bit. But Tyler, how about you? Uh, yeah, like like Sailor, I was born three months premature in 1991. I was supposed to be born in May of 91, but I was born February of 91. And okay, uh, Febru- I, February what? February 11th of 1991. Okay. I'm February 24th. So, okay. Just checking. Um, <clears throat> I was life flighted to um, Detroit. I think it was like three months after birth, something like that. And I saw the same eye doctor as, as he did. And I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, because that was the nearest NICU or NICU. And uh, yeah, one of my lungs actually collapsed when I was a baby. I think both of them might have, but praise God, I'm alive and doing well. And just growing up, I attended the Hallsville Independent School District. It's Northeast Texas area all my life. I lived mostly in the country for about 11 years. And it was at a Longview address because Longview is Northeast Texas. That's where I live, my city. And, um, yeah, and I grew up there, had a pretty good childhood, and my mom <clears throat> actually fought for me so that I could be mainstreamed in class, and her and I actually went to Austin twice so that we can rally the Texas legislature to pass a law, and it passed. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> throughout my life, you know, I attended, I was in band and choir, I was in uh, band in sixth grade only, and my school district actually hired a blind lady to teach me braille music and all throughout my junior high, like middle school, junior high and high school career from sixth grade to my senior year, she would help me with music, getting braille music and all that good stuff. And years later, I went to a center for the blind uh, for independence. Me too. I went there too. In 2013, and I ended up seeing her again, and she went there. So I'm like, check this out. Which center did you guys go to? Chris Cole Rehab Center in Austin, Texas. In Austin, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And of course, like him, I attended the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin. And also, I attended a couple of other camps. I attended Lions Camp during the summer um, for a few years. After a few years, though, I didn't want to go anymore. So I ended up not going anymore. Um. I also attended Camp Tyler, which is a one-night camp for younger children. It's, I think, for blind people as well. Um, and I believe that was in the fall of like 01, 02, I think 03. Um, I attended um, church camps, you know, with my church, like junior camp. And um, it was a lot of fun. And I also attended um, uh, space camp. In 2006, I went to Huntsville, Alabama in September of 2006, and it was a lot of fun. And I believe I got high school credit for it 
um, I ended up having perfect attendance that year and I actually won won a little bit of money for it. (laughs) I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Then you then you went on to college, as I recall. Yes, I did. And oh, and by the way, we want to backtrack. Uh, one thing we have common, we have in common is we both, both of us have twins. I have a twin sister whose eyes reverse and she's fully sighted, except she has a mild case of cerebral palsy. And you, Tyler? Yep. I have a twin brother <laughs> whose eyes reversed when he was a baby as well. Mm. Cool. So you went yeah. on into college. I did. I, t- I attended a junior college first, college called Kilgore College, and I attended the Longview campus. They had a Longview campus there where I live, and I went from 2010 to 2013, and then I attended that uh, program for adults, Chris Cole Rehab Center, in June to December of 2013, and then soon after, I attended Stephen F. Austin from... January of 2014 to December of 2017. And that's where I met my best friend, Sailor, was in the fall of 27, uh, the fall of 2014, excuse me. And we're brothers from another mother, right? Yes, we are. So you you got your degree in? Criminal justice. Criminal justice. My associates in general studies. So do you you work in criminal justice or anything like that Mm -hmm. now? No, I don't. Um, it just, I, you know, just started having a changed mind. And, you know, I pursued, you know, some jobs, but just couldn't really find any. But years later, I started getting on Sailor's route. Yep. In 2018, I started just being a co-host of his uh, once Spreaker platform that we were on. And then we changed from that to Station Playlist Studio, and then Real Variety Radio be, uh, became a thing in 2020. And it's 24-7. Yep, 24-7. <laughs> yep. Well, do you um, do you think that blindness played a part in you not really finding a job that, that satisfied you or that gave you the opportunity to really progress, or did you just kind of want to switch? I just kind of wanted to switch. I didn't okay. think blindness had anything to do with it. Okay. In fact, I had a VR case, vocational rehab case, but I decided to, you know, pursue volunteer stuff for now. And, and actually, I do uh, at my church. I actually help clean the church at my church at home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fully involved in my church that I go to at my in my hometown. So 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 yep. sailor, how about you? Um, why did you guys move to Cancun? Um, what what took you all down there, and what brought you back? <laughs> Well, because well, of course, um, since we were premature, like we need a lot of we need a lot of uh, therapy to do physical therapy, and uh, just to sum up, um, I know this happens a lot, unfortunately, especially with special need any special needs parents. Uh, the, the statistics show that an eighty percent of parents with any special needs children divorce. Because mm. at least one parent can't deal with it, and which was we lost you. It's the case. Hello. 
Yeah, you uh, faded out there. Yeah. So, yeah, while we were in the hospital, um, our father was convinced that uh, we would not survive. And, of course, if we did, we would be severely brain injured and whatnot. And, Tyler, I know your dad wasn't like that at all. No. no. And <laughs> my so, mom and dad were great. Yeah, and so um, uh, my my mother and father ended up divorcing as a vet result. And since we needed a lot of therapy, um, it was costing her too much to do it here, um, which is why uh, we moved down there uh, to to do this program because it was an it was an in home uh, program out of Philadelphia. It was a do it yourself program. You had to go to Philadelphia, and like my mom had to learn how to do it, and she had to hire volunteers to do it uh, to help her do it. And so that's why we moved down there. And, you know, because the area was so beautiful, she, she just wanted to stay. And so she started a small business down there, a small, like, resort-style hotel with a few houses. And we rent those out. And I wanted to come back because I wanted to, of course, I was going to elementary school down there and in, in private school in Plyde, Oklahoma. And I wanted to be like, I wanted to be exposed to the to the world here. Yeah. So like you I guys said, came back. And like and like I said, I wanted to be um I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be exposed to uh, more um more people like me here, you know. Well, and you came back and that's worked out pretty well. And now you guys are are doing what you're doing. And I appreciate that it's it's interesting listening to the two of you because you essentially had two different kinds of receptions by parents and that greatly affected what you do um, and and how you were able to be raised. And from my experience, it really, especially when you're a young child, is all about parents. I was very fortunate that I had two parents who decided right from the beginning that they were willing to let me explore and grow. And as I describe it, they were risk takers. But me the, too. My parents, they raised me, you know. Well your mother uh, did. Well your, and your your mother did. My mother and my grand and my grandparents too. My and your grandparents, too. but your but your yeah. father didn't, which is no, you know, no. part of the issue. And so it became a, a real challenge. And, yeah. um, and but you guys, but you persevered, which is really the issue is you you came through it. And exactly. you're, you're now able to, you know, to look back on it and look at all the lessons that you learned, which is really great. Like growing up, I know. Uh, what caught what really caught my attention is in one of the episodes you mentioned you rode a bike uh, in your subdivision and one guy called your dad. Why in the heck is he riding a bike by himself blind? I've wondered how did you ride your bike blind because I rode a bike growing up too because but because of the vision I had I could see the ground and like I had a little bit where I was going and it turns out on your later episodes, you said you paid attention to the auditory cues that were well, around you. So 
you know, um, it's a it's a fair question and it's an interesting question. I think the best way to answer it is if <clears throat> if I were to ask anyone with eyesight, um, you can see the ground and all that. What does it look like? What does it look like to see red? And what does it look like to see blue? The problem is their senses. Um, and you, there isn't a way to describe what it's like to see. And likewise, really, it's the same with hearing. The reality is it's just another sense that we use. And we actually get, I believe, more information from hearing than from eyesight because you hear all around you, up and down and everything. And from an eyesight standpoint, you only see through the visual acuity and the field of view that your eyes have. And so the result is that we really hear a lot of things that we don't necessarily even realize we're, that we're hearing. And I don't know whether that was true for you or not. But for me, riding a bike was no big deal. I learned to listen to all that was around me and I learned to be able to hear when I was coming close to a parked car or I was coming um, past a driveway because the sound was different. Um, it, is, it is possible to learn to use other senses to do the same things that eyesight can do. Eyesight, as, as I put it, isn't the only game in town. Would you go, would you ride fast going on a bike? Because, oh, I would, right? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I did. I wasn't always in a real hurry. Um, and so I was, I was, I know, somewhat careful. I didn't probably ride as fast as other people might, but I did ride pretty fast yeah. because I could hear pretty well. Hmm. Speaking of your story, Michael, my brother taught me how to ride a bike. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I eventually learned, and I just rode it around my driveway just by myself <laughs> whenever I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I rode a bike around the neighborhood. I rode it to school, locked it in the bike rack at, at, in the morning when I went wow. there and all that. And I did that for most of three years. And then when I went into fourth grade, I was bused to a different school. And I think that's because all of the intermediate grades four through six went to Tamarisk and schools across town. I don't remember whether Yucca school had grades four through six, but I was, um, I, I think that, that we, yeah. I know my brother and I both went to Tamarisk, which was the school for fourth through sixth graders. And so I didn't ride a bike there. That was all the way across town. That was about, Oh, <clears throat> three, four miles away. So that was a little bit too far to go with the bike. Wow. <clears throat> but still, um, I rode a bike for quite a while. Now I don't, and I haven't tried for a while. I did ride a bike a little bit in San Francisco a few years ago. Uh, so I can still do it, but I haven't really ridden a bike for quite a while. Me too, me too. Because of course, I would ride. Um, I would ride both um, here at my grandmother's ranch. Because of course, I I also grew up here. Like, you know, during you know seasonal, you know, during the summers and Christmases when I was not in school, so I would ride a bike here. My my grandmother has a big circle, two big circles actually. I would go fast and ride a bike, 
And of course, I also rode a bike in Mexico as well. It was a lot of fun. The reality is ultimately people only think it's amazing that we rode a bike because they can't imagine doing it without eyesight, but eyesight is not the only way to accomplish tasks. And that goes back sailor to something that you said before about dealing with jobs. It isn't about being blind. It's about how people perceive being blind. That tends to be the real difficulty. Absolutely. You know, blind people can clean, they can clean houses. They can clean churches. I clean. I clean my church. I I help clean it. You know. Well, blind people are in most jobs in one way or another. There have been a couple of blind people who served in Congress and one in oh, yeah. well and in the House and one in the Senate. That's been a long time, and now I think in a sense we've regressed because blind people aren't being elected. And I and I know that some people have tried to get into politics. Um, and have maybe to some degree, but still the attitudes are so pervasive about what you can't do with eyesight as opposed to what you can't do without eyesight as opposed to what you can do without eyesight. And that tends to be the the real issue. But I grew up with parents who believed that I could accomplish whatever I chose to, and they brought me up with that attitude, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, uh, now, um, I want to uh, start asking some questions here, uh, speaking of that. So, yeah, I've heard all about your childhood. We talked about that. I mean, you were, I know you were born in Chicago and you moved to um, California when you were five. Um, kind of similar like my story that I moved. Uh, but uh, could you think of anything different your parents could have done to help you more during that time anything any just anything overall like to help you achieve more um you know um i think it was sort of a natural progression in in palmdale there was no cane travel no cane training um but i did find traveling around the schools and my neighborhood through elementary school, even without cane training. And of course the issue with using a cane or a dog is that those devices or those creatures help keep you safe, but they don't take the place of you needing to know. And as a result, knowing where to go and what to do, it's my job to know where to go and what to do and how to get there. And then in in the case of using a dog, I have to give the dog directions and tell the dog when to turn left and when to turn right. That is my job. With a cane, you have to know when to turn left and when to turn right. And I use a cane sometimes. But we didn't have that And now there's a WeWalk WeWalk cane. Well, there are a number of different kinds of technologies that are out there. But the bottom line is it still doesn't change the fact that you – need to be the one to know where to go and how to get there. You have to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. And you have to make decisions no matter how it's done. And then you have to follow through. And if you get lost, then you got to figure out how you got lost and why, where you got lost and fix it. But that is um, what I did by all by listening up through the eighth grade. 
Then when I went into high school, we decided that the campus was bigger. And so that's when I was fortunate enough to be able to get a guide dog. So should my parents have done anything different in terms of teaching me or allowing me to deal with mobility? Oh, possibly. And if they had sent me to a school for the blind, maybe I would have learned some other things, but they wanted me to be mainstreamed. And so I don't think that there were a lot of things that through the whole process, they could have done much differently uh, that wouldn't have detracted from the things that I did learn. So I think it all worked out well. Yeah, well, as far as for me, I'll share. Um, I know my my mom in particular, she did the best. Um, I don't know if you read my bio. Uh, because of a vision I had, she wanted me to use my eyes to the, my eyes to the max. And and that result, like she, we didn't, I know you also mentioned that you, you really emphasize the importance of learning Braille and you, you, you kind of disturbed that a lot of schools don't teach it whenever they should. I will admit I didn't learn Braille growing up um, as much as I should have. And largely, like I said, uh, my my mom wanted me to use my, my eyes the best I the best I could because I could I can read print if it is um, large enough. But again, it's not efficient. And I know you said this in previous episodes as well. And there's just too much strain that that brings on. If you give someone print, their eyes get too tired too fast, and that was my case. Be, but because we, even myself, I had a lot of hopes that um, there would be new uh, developments for eye surgeries to where I could eventually be able to see better, which is why we kept seeing uh, my doctor in Detroit growing up to stay, to stay up to date, which unfortunately they were not, which again, I'm fine the way I am. Um and so, I mean, just to sum up, if if I would change anything, uh, going back, I would I would have learned more Braille younger than I did. But it is what it is. I I I know Braille now. I can um I can read. I don't read that that fast, but I I do I do read overall, which is great. Um, and I'll admit it, one hundred percent. I hated to use a cane no 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 i when someone my mom and my teachers they give me a cane i would i'd say no i want to use it. it it looks ugly it looks terrible because you know i wanted to be like everybody else makes sense but you know especially when i came back you know to school here and went to school for a blind where I learned to use the cane more. I just adapted and now I'm I'm happy now. I'm, I'm good. The cane is my my best one of my best friends. So yeah, that's that's mine. That's mine. It it goes back to what we've talked about, which is that people think that eyesight really is the only game in town. And they don't believe deep down in their hearts that it's okay to be blind. Yeah. And that's what it really comes down to. Now, would 
Would we all rather have eyesight if the opportunity were there? Um, sure, I think, because it gives me more information. But I don't happen to be seeing today. And I can do fine with that. Yeah. And I think that we have to recognize that there's nothing wrong with the concept of being blind and being able to survive in the world. Exactly. Because I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, whenever I was in the hospital as a baby, um, one of the doctors here in Houston tried to convince her uh, that it would be cruel if she put me through eye surgery because it would not do any good. If anything, I would only be able to see light and um, just someone's finger, and that's it. And so he tried to convince her to not put me through the surgery. And, of course, that really, that really made her break down. And which is why she she accepted no for that answer. She knew there was another possibility out there, which is why I was she lifelighted me to this other doctor in Detroit, where I stayed there for a month to have these surgeries. And I'm sure that was the same with you, Tyler, right? I don't know if it was a month. It might have been. Yeah. I remember but But did your mom take no that you would be totally blind? Did she? Yeah, she accepted it eventually. She wanted to do the surgery to try and help me see, but it didn't work. It gave me light light perception, though. Yeah, yeah. In both eyes. And so, I mean, our parents, in a sense, they tried to avoid us being blind as much as possible. And, I mean, I, I get it. I get why. I mean, you know, you want to it'd be nice for us to see things. And I am thankful for the vision that I have. But if there were a new procedure today that would get me better vision, would I take it? Probably not. Would you take it, Tyler? I don't think I would. No. Because I would have to relearn everything. Yes, me too. And so, yeah, that's that. And so, Tyler, Mm -hmm. uh, now question to you. Would you change anything? Would you want... Do you think your mom could have done anything different raising you? And um, mm, I don't know. Um, she kind of taught me a little bit of cooking, a little bit. She kind of, you know, like the oven and some a little bit of the skillet, can openers, you know, stuff like that a little bit. Yeah. Um. So she, she did a pretty good job of helping me. Um, she helped me by enrolling me in the school for the blind and the lions camp in Kerrville, Texas that I went to as a kid. Um, you know, um, no, because if anything, she fought for you. I'll see what have been in resource classes, right? (laughs) Yep. And at a time I kind of was for a time. Yeah. But we changed that. But, but yeah, she did a pretty good job of helping me. Yeah. Um, well, and that's, yeah. and that's cool. You know, your, oh, yeah. they, your parents accepted you. Oh, yeah. And, and it sounds like they probably accepted you a little bit more as who you were 
than um, than did Sailor's mother, certainly her fa- his father, but more than um, than her mother because uh, she really wanted Sailor to be able to see. Right. Whereas but me, it, yeah, yeah, my mom, she not only accepted me being blind, she said no. He's going to have the same opportunities as everyone else. Period. Yeah. In school. Because yeah, Graham, y'all would say, "Use your eyes," right? Well, and the reality is that, as you said, sailor, you know, using your eyes too much causes strain, headaches, and other yeah. things. Because the the reality is that the the tools weren't in there to be able to do that. But you have gone on, and oh, yeah. you've now started. Real Variety Radio. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a 24-7 radio station. Uh, we're, we're really having trouble getting listeners, right? But Yeah, we are. But our good, podcast is great. Our podcast is great. But the good news is um, I at Speakers Playhouse Live in Dallas, I met a, uh, a media specialist who worked as, as a talk radio host in Denver for a long time. And now she does press releases. So hopefully she's going to um, help us gain more traction. Well, let's, let's go back just a little bit. So sailor and I met through the national federation of the blind. We're both in it. Um, but also last year and people on unstoppable mindset have heard me talk about Potapalooza before, which is a program for podcasters, would-be podcasters, and people who just gonna who just want to be interviewed by podcasters, but it's a program to bring people together. It's held four times a year. There's one coming up in April, and um, we introduced Sailor to it because he had indicated he was starting this podcast. So Sailor has really gone deeply into it i don't know tyler if did you go with sailor to the unstoppable or to the um potapalooza event on zoom yeah mm-hmm. yeah i on went, zoom, there, yeah. I went yeah. there in october and i actually came to see him in october but the one in january i didn't because he was in uh cancun yeah with his mom yeah but so, yeah. uh but sailor went to this there was also a live event just recently that sailor went to you didn't go to that yeah. one yeah, I, yeah, I went to that. Oh, you went <laughs> to that yeah, one yeah. too. Okay. So anyway, Potapalooza is all about helping to promote and teach people about podcasting. So that's what Sailor's referring to here. And he has been uh, been working on that. But tell us about what, what you do on Real Variety Radio. Uh, well, it, it we play music 24-7. Um, every five hours is a different genre of music, pop, country, hip-hop rock, even some special programming such as a there's a there's a show called the Texas Red Dirt that I blow down, which plays the best in authentic Texas country music every Saturday. And we do a show once a week, a live show, and we'll admit it, we haven't been doing it as much lately because we've been really focusing on this venture. Uh you know, trying to you know, get our ducks in a row to really expand this platform. But I'm also implementing voice tracking as well, where um, during the automation, uh, you'll hear me on radio. 
you're going to think I'm actually live, but indeed it is in full automation. What tools do you use to do that? How do you, how do you put all that together? I use the station playlist suite, uh, which includes um, studio, which is the music player. Um, the, I use creator, which is the scheduler. It schedules all the playlists and remote voice tracker. Uh, which allows me to record voice tracks from anywhere. And I have a desktop computer at home that's always on 24-7. Once it's all programmed the way I want it, boom, I don't have to touch it. It just runs in automation. Then you just put new programming in from time to time and so on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you have been doing that and uh, hopefully through these podcasts and so on, we'll get you some more listeners as well. For sure. What? And we can actually, um, we could actually um, promote our radio station on our podcast too, potentially. Yeah. Y'all listen to Real Variety Radio, the best variety on the internet. Well, you'll hear the greatest programming of all genres of music. RealVarietyRadio.com. Just go listen at RealVarietyRadio.com. There you go. So, what? Go Go ahead. We have a clubhouse room as well, the Sailor Show. Okay. Yep. What, uh, What got you into then starting a podcast? Oh. We were told that it's the most popular medium to reach an audience. And, of course, we want to inspire others, right? Yes, we do. And we are also writing a book together. <clears throat> yes, we are. Yeah. Well, tell us. Um, so so tell us a little bit more about the podcast. Hope with Hope Without Sight, right? Yes. We've tell had, us about that. We've had it. And it just features people who overcome challenges in life, whether it be from a a disability, an illness, a financial hardship, a learning experience, just anything. And the purpose of it is to inspire others that you can to live live out your dream. And not only that, hope without sight is a metaphor. It isn't just, oh, hope without vision, like physical vision. Like he just said, it's all about stories of so many different people and it doesn't even have to necessarily be bad it could be like as simple as hey completing college and how hard that might have been it could have been you know so many other things but it is also disabilities it's blindness it's everything that people have overcome like diverse situations who are some of the people you've interviewed oh we've interviewed um we interviewed a golfer with no arms and no, well, a golfer with no hands, actually, who is in the PGA World Champion for golfers with disabilities and has won uh, numerous golf games. We interviewed um, a person with a man with autism, ADHD, and get this, he didn't know he was, he was on the spectrum until after his three sons were diagnosed. 
we've uh, we've interviewed someone with who's dyslexic and she never knew it all her life and she's using her gifts to um buy building a retreat center in Puerto Vallarta. And I got to go there um, this past November to record lots of podcasts. We've had great, great guests so far. It's been awesome. And we're actually going to interview someone from Canada. Is that right? From Alberta. Yeah. And and, uh, and, and around and, noonish. And also, we've had great guests, including you, Michael. Exactly. And we also interviewed someone who has issues with speech. Like he stutters, but he overcame it. Yeah. Yeah. So we've interviewed a diverse bunch of people from all walks of life. That's that's cool. It is. And um, the podcast is a weekly event. Yeah, weekly. Yeah. I mean, and we we kind we, we kind of a we kind of slowed down a little bit, um, and we didn't release an episode uh, last um, last week. Because honestly, I haven't recorded a whole lot this year. To the most part, I've recorded at least seven of them while on this trip in Puerto Vallarta. But we're going to really pick up speed over the next few weeks. So it's going to be great. Pretty exciting to uh, to see all of that happening. Do you, in addition to putting out your episodes wherever you put them out, do you also put them on Real Variety Radio? Yeah, they're on the website. Yes, and uh, but are I'm, they part? I'm, but are they part of your regular broadcast schedule as well? Uh, they're not yet, but I've thought about actually making uh, including it in the schedule. Could be a good idea. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, and Something. it would also be good. It would also be good to have a contact us about us page. Yeah, we have that. all that good stuff. Yeah. So, what's next for you guys? Um, well, just gonna, we're just gonna keep, um, we're just gonna keep chasing our dream. I mean, like I said, I honestly, in this entrepreneurship journey starting out, I've been very excited, but at the same time, I've been confused and overwhelmed because all this is brand new to me. Nevertheless, I've never ran a business, you know, on my own before. So that means I need to figure out how to like, you know, do business taxes, accounting, you name it. And so what that being said, you know, it's I feel like I'm on a I'm on a roller coaster trying to figure out all 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 how all these pieces fit together and incorporate. But the good news is you know, I have a great team. We have a great team, we should say. It's oh, behind yeah. us, helping us. Um, I help to, of course, uh, do affiliates, meaning anybody who's been on my podcast before, I'll ask you now. I don't know if you have any affiliate programs I could help you promote. Maybe I could get a commission with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna inquire about this with my previous guests as well. We hope to offer offer membership sites, uh, membership packages, such as content not included in the show where people pay, even premium media packages, um, such as coaching services, and of course, sponsorships and advertisements on our radio station. 
And I'm even going to get into paid speaking gigs. Hopefully begin getting paid speaking as well. A lot of adventures and a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up and I hope it all goes well for you guys. And it it Um, can be a a great adventure. It it is. Uh, Well, um, now, um, if you don't mind, I want to turn to you, uh, your story. Okay. Um, so we all, we obviously, we all know about, you know, that heroic, the heroic day on September 11th, 2001, you coming down from the World Trade Center after the plane hit because of your calmness and your just resilience. You not only helped helped uh, yourself get out, but you helped your colleagues, David. And since then, you've just inspired the world. Um, the first question I want to ask is, what impact has your story made on others? Well, I um, I can only tell you what they say. Um, it, it's uh, it's a fascinating thing to hear people say, gee, I'm so much more familiar with being blind now. I know a lot more than I ever did before because I've read your book, Thunderdog, which is available wherever books are sold. Um, I've heard your story. But, you know, the other part about it, very honestly, is that hearing it and absorbing it and truly understanding it and letting it become part of your life is is a whole different animal. For example, I went to a book club where they asked me to come and speak, and they said, everyone will have read your book, and they will have read about your story, but they would like to meet you, and would you come? And I said, sure. So I went and I talked to this club a little bit, and then we opened it for questions. And again, remember, all of them were supposed to have actually read the book and the story, obviously. And the first question that somebody said was, well, what were you doing in the World Trade Center in the first place? It's, it is so ingrained in us that you can't do things if you can't see that we really find it hard to accept that that's possible. Um, on the other hand, on m- many other occasions, I think um, we have had a positive impact. I've talked to any number of people since September 11th who um, were in the stairwell with me, who I didn't know, who followed me down the stairs. And they said, because you were calm, we followed you. And I have had any number of people who have heard me speak since then, because I've been traveling and speaking since October of 2001 and continue to do that today. Um, But people who have said, we saw what you did. And if you could do that, then we want to know how to do that too. And we followed you down the stairs and clearly you were very calm and you kept us focused going down the stairs. And the reason was, is because I was constantly saying to Roselle, what a good dog, good girl, keep going. What a good job you're doing. And it was important for me to do that because 
I didn't want the dog to know or to think I was nervous because if I conveyed that, then the dog would be looking at me rather than focusing on her job. The other side of it is that that helped me, of course, because I did stay calm. But I also learned a lot of information about the World Trade Center that gave me a mindset that if something happened, you know what to do in an emergency if there's time to do it. And if there's not time to do it, it doesn't matter anyway, right? But if right. if if there's time, then you know you know what to do. And so all of those were things that that came together on September 11th. I just got an email yesterday from someone who sponsored me to come and speak at a a couple of organizations dealing with books and and distributors who sold Thunderdog, among other things. Um, This person met me in 2013, so here it is 10 years later. And the the fact is that... I was um, I, I've thought about him over the years, but but he wrote yesterday and said that that he had heard about the fact that my wife passed last November and that he wanted to reach out. But also he remembers very fondly the things that we did and, and all the events that happened on the day that we met. So I hope I'm having a positive effect on people. Oh, yeah. I, I hope I'm having a positive effect on people and the people will truly learn from it and and will grow and will get to the point of recognizing that there are many ways to do the same thing and we should limit ourselves or other people that we need to allow people to truly stretch and grow. Yeah, oh, wow. That is amazing. Wow, and that's amazing because I have a feeling you know, oh, I'm, that's one of the last questions I'll ask in a little bit, but just the legacy that you're going to leave. I mean, there's no doubt the impact that you've made. It's inspiring other youngsters, especially blind people, uh, who are going to no doubt make the same impact as you are. And who knows, that could be us. Yeah. Well, I would just premise by saying, hey, it isn't just blind people you're impacting. Mm -hmm. It's everyone you're impacting because in the end, I truly believe that most people in America do not care if you're blind or not. They care about your heart. I think they do. I think a lot of employers, yeah, but I think that's even getting better, believe it or not. Well, I think it's slowly getting better. I think that that people... You say don't care. I think, though, that people um, have their defenses come up because although they don't care, they don't know. And that lack of education says that, oh, my gosh, you can't do this because you can't see. And it isn't a it isn't a a hatred thing. No, as as I've said to people when we deal, when we talk about race and so on, you know, there's clearly a lot of hatred there. And in one sense, it's strange to say, but I don't think we progressed to the point where we're hated because we're no, just no, plain discounted. We're, we're, we're just, discounted. Yeah. And yeah. as a result, um, we haven't been able to break through some of that. And more people need to 
carry on the conversation. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is a lovely set of concepts, but it typically leaves out disabilities. And the reality is that all the people who are thought leaders in that arena need to include disabilities. Disability does not mean a lack of ability. Um, in fact, as I point out, exactly. nope. as I point out, people, uh, no matter who you are, have a disability. Grandma has a disability. Uh, one disability that she has that every other sighted person is, is that they're light dependent and they oh, can't yeah. function. They can't function without light. You got to turn the light on. Thomas Edison invented a nice little simple device called the light bulb. Although some people say other people invented it, but whoever invented the light bulb, which means that you have light all around you, but make no mistake, the disability is still there. It's just covered up. And it's something that we really need to deal with. And we need to get people to recognize that all of us have different sets of abilities. And it doesn't mean that any of us are less than anyone else. Yeah, because those who have a disability that's invisible, such as, um, you know, PTSD, any other mental illness, obviously, like employers, they're not going to recognize right away because... It's not obvious. You can't see it. But if someone's in a wheelchair, someone's blind, they get, they get turned off by that, by that. That needs to change. It does need to change. Again, though, light dependence is a disability. And the perception of it needs to change. It's very difficult to do it because we have light all around us. But make no mistake that that is still an issue that's there. And it should be one of the concepts that helps create an equalizer to say, okay, well, all right, I recognize that I got light all the time and all that. And there are people who don't need to rely on light, but it doesn't mean that they're less than me. And we haven't made that leap yet. No, hopefully we will. Well, we will so, at some point. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I know you may you may you might answer this question, um, but just in case, what made you take the offer to work at the World Trade Center, and did you miss working there after the attacks? You know, would you go back, you know, to work in another office at that same company if you could? Well, um, Two different questions. First of all, would I go back and work in the World Trade Center in, in New York and so on? Um, if I they suppose rebuilt it. If if, they well, they've rebuilt it. Um, but if if the opportunity came and it seemed like the right thing to do, very possibly, but I'm happy with the the work that I'm doing now, speaking and also working for Accessibi. Accessibi does have a New York office. Um, and... Um, I think that the work that I do, however, is different than what happens in the New York office and what happens in Israel to a degree. But, you know, I will go where it makes most sense to go. Right now, I live in a house that my wife and I built for our specifications and to our specifications. So it's wheelchair accessible, although she is not here anymore, but it's a great house and it's a, a very comfortable environment. Um, so I think maybe the better question is, would I be afraid to go back? No, I wouldn't be afraid to go back if that seemed like the thing to do. But I do like being out in California. Uh, I grew up here from the age of five, and I enjoy it. 
And so I, I think that there are so many different kinds of factors that, that go into things. But I do love to travel and speak and, and go to wherever people want me to come and not only tell the story, but talk about teamwork and trust and other things like that. So I think that if the opportunity comes to travel and speak, I'll do that all day long. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And it does. You just, you just make the best of every situation. That is that is really what it's all about. And we we need to recognize that we need to grow and we need to continue to pro- progress and and move forward in all that we do. Um, you know, I work for this the company Accessibility that makes products that help make websites more accessible. And some people say that the artificial intelligent products that Accessibility makes uh do more harm than good. No, they don't. Um, all the artificial intelligent products do is in a general way, codify what already exists that individual programmers can do. And all they do is put to use all the rules that the World Wide Web Consortium created about access. Um, but there's, a, there, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time debating that today or talking yeah. about that today. But, but the bottom line is that um, the very fact that there are over 170,000 customers using it today says something. And uh, you can argue that all day long, but it's kind of hard to argue with success. And there are so many stories of what it does. But the reality is, all too often, we don't like to deal with things that are different than our comfort zone. But in our world today, our comfort zones are being challenged all the time. And we need to get used to that. Right. I mean, and I, I hope, like you said in your podcast, but all websites, hopefully they should be accessible by 2025. And I hope that happens. Yeah, I do too. I, I know Accessibility is saying that's a real reach and they're not saying it that way anymore um, because it is a, a tough thing. It's a great goal and it should happen. And it will happen if enough people really push for it and push for the laws and the enforcement of the laws to be strengthened. Exactly. And I did that in a resolution I wrote last year to the NFB (laughs) because you argue that because um, a lot of these people, they argue, oh, the ADA was invented before the Internet. I mean, there's no excuse for that. Today is It doesn't matter. Doesn't no. It doesn't matter. No. Today is today. And I don't even know if the ADA includes internet as accessible that that it has to be accessible. It doesn't matter. The ADA is a general law. You know, right. no, yeah. um, it was updated in 08. Well, um the the Department of Justice has said that the internet is uh, that the internet is a, a place of business and, and is under the Title II, at least of and other sections as well, but of the ADA. So the reality is that it is a place of requiring reasonable accommodation. That's right. It is. And, and the reality is it is so simple for everyone to make the internet yeah. website world accessible. Same with PDFs. They need to work on that too. Certain ones. Well, they do. Right. Um well, uh, next question. Um, during your most trying times throughout your professional career, what inspired you to keep going 
whenever it was, whenever it felt like it was impossible and you just wanted to throw in the towel and give up. I never wanted to throw in the towel and give up. I had times that I was afraid I wasn't being as successful as I wanted, <clears throat> but I do have a faith and I, um, and I talk with God all the time and listen oh, yeah. and learn from that. But I also think that the, the fact is that um, everything happens if you look back on your life in a progression. So even the times that were a challenge taught me a lot. They taught me about me. Um, and I learned what I could have done differently earlier or now what I need to do going forward. So I'm a firm believer in introspection and people at the end of every day, looking at what they did, what they do and looking at how this could have gone better or how, even though this was great, what else could I have done to even improve it? Or this didn't go well. How come? Because if we don't analyze we won't grow and we won't learn. No one can teach us. All they can do is show us what we need to teach ourselves. And the fact is that we need to become better teachers of ourselves. Exactly. And you you just make the best of every situation, regardless of what life may throw at you. Like I like like I said, the journey I'm on now, it's still kind of unknown, but I know I know it. One day, if you ever, I'm going to see success as long as I work hard. Oh yeah, and 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 know this: part of success is failure. There's nothing wrong with it because it's a learning tool. Failure is only not having had the success that you want in a particular endeavor, and you need to find out why and then fix it. Exactly. Well, you know. Failure, just because you fail once at a task doesn't mean you won't eventually succeed. You will succeed eventually. Well, I think um, we can look at failure a couple of different ways. Either we can look at it as a horrible thing, or as you said, we right. can look yeah. at it as a learning experience. Exactly. So failure, it doesn't need to be a bad thing. It, no. it offers us the opportunity to learn. Exactly. Right. And next, uh, who are you? who would you consider your heroes? that inspires you to do the work that you've done? One person certainly for me is Jacobus Tenbrook, the founder of the National Federation of the Blind. He set the basic philosophy and I enjoy reading what he has written. <clears throat> and in fact, the fourth episode of Unstoppable Mindset is a recording of a speech he gave in 1956 entitled Within the Grace of God. It's one of my favorite speeches, but he is definitely one. Uh, yeah, Ken, Ken Jernigan in the Federation was one. Um, colleagues and people who I worked with, Mark Maurer is, is a, a great friend, although I haven't talked to Mark for a couple of years and probably need to, to reach out. But, you know, there are so many people. My parents, of course, were staunch advocates of what I could do. And I had so many people that I knew along the way. I'm still friends with Dick Herbelsheimer, who is my sophomore geometry teacher. And um, he is now going to be um, 86 in August. And wow. uh, so we, we keep in touch. Good. Yeah. Which well, is cool. Uh, my heroes would be, um, of course, my parents, um, 
of course, all the diverse people I've had on my podcast so far, they're my heroes too, because even though we may not have the same situation, they've inspired me as well. And of course, you're one of my heroes too. Oh. Well, thank you. I have learned from every person I've had on my podcast. If I'm not learning at least as much as everyone else, I'm not doing my job right. I believe every podcast is an opportunity to learn. And Tyler, you're, yeah, you're, I would say one of my heroes, I know it has nothing to do with blindness, but one of my heroes is uh, Ronald Reagan because of how he spoke about the country, how he said, hey, you know, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Yep. And if we lose freedom here, there's nowhere to go, you know. And, you know, I'm a very patriotic person. You know, I believe that, you know, here, this is where everything happens. Uh, opportunities happen is here. I um, had the the honor of meeting Tip O'Neill while he was Speaker of the House, and um, that was was fun. Um, I have not only fun; it was it was awe inspiring. Um, he was he was a great man. Who Reagan? And, sorry, he was yeah during the Reagan era, and he was oh, yeah. seventy nine to eighty nine was Tip O'Neill's tenure as Speaker of the House. Yeah, I do and, have to say, you know, they didn't always see eye to eye, and that's okay. They did work together on certain certain things, but not well, all. Well, but that. but but take it a little bit different way. They didn't need to see eye to eye. The point is that they did right. work things out. Right. Yeah. And they did. that's the difference between then and now. Right. Um, now because there's like, no room for discussion. No. Um and I think that one side of that is more guilty than the other, although some people would try to say that's not true. But the reality right. is, and I'm not gonna go to as to which it is, but the fact of the matter is that we have lost the art of conversation oh, and collectively oh, yeah. as a society, we rely way too much on social media and what someone says, rather than looking at things for ourselves. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. You know, all this censorship yeah. on social media, even cable TV, no good, no, no good. It ain't good. It ain't good. But let me tell you, you know, blind people in some ways have been censored too because of their condition in some ways. In other yeah. words, employers not wanting to, yeah. a lot of employers not wanting to hire because they feel they may be a liability. You know, blind people may be a liability or something. What if something happened? What if this, this? But at the same time, it's like, wait, you get over, you got to get over those fears and just take a take a risk and say, hey. Well, it's not even taking a risk because liability isn't a factor that enters into it when it comes to right. blindness. And that's been proven right. so many times. Right, of course. Um, but they have that misconception about, oh, there may be a lot of business. Oh, yeah. No, they won't. They have that mindset, yes. Right, of course. Um, so, yeah, our last couple of questions, because I know um, you're limited on time. Um, we are, too. We have another interview in 30 minutes. But, um, of course, you can ask me anything else if you have anything. But um, what are your future goals, if you have any? And it's been clear, you know, you've, made a great impact on the world you're seeing giving back to society what is the legacy you want to leave for others and how do you want to be remembered well first of all as far as future goals we're working on a new book called a guide dog's guide to being brave and it's all about learning about fear and how to control it and we're using my eight guide dogs as examples of that and so it's it's coming along we have a publisher and uh, we're getting good, valuable input from the editors on that. Um, I also 
am going to continue to do Unstoppable Mindset and all I can to support and enhance accessibility. Um, I think also traveling and speaking, I want to continue to do and will. COVID stopped that for a while, but now we're working on trying to reach out and find events where people want a speaker to come and talk and, and talk about teamwork and trust. And one of my favorite speech topics is moving from diversity to inclusion, long story. But also just really telling people that we're all part of the same world and teaching people that we need to get along and helping people learn how to get along. Um, so I, right. I want to continue to to do all of those things. And um, of course, now it's, it's just me and not me and my wife. Um, and I suppose in one sense, that means I have more time to do some of that than I did before uh, and more time to think, which is also good. I like quiet time. I like to be able to stop and think and think we all ought to do that. And that'll be something we talk about in the book. As far as a legacy, you know, I, I want and hope that people will feel that I have done good and that I've been a contributor and, and help make the world a little better. And in all that I've done, I hope that people recognize that and will recognize that there are good things and I made good choices. You have Michael, you're an inspiration to so many, you're not just an inspiration, you're famous. Because I hear you on speech after speech after speech, people clap, people clapping and MCs introducing. Everybody, please welcome Michael Hinkston. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you. You're and and um, well, as far as for us, well, we're just getting started. Man, I mean, you're you're a veteran. You've you've uh, had your career, even though it's not over officially yet. We're just getting started. My entrepreneurship journey officially began last year, and I just look forward to so many great um, adventures. Mm-hmm. and milestones while being on this journey. And the legacy I want to leave is just, I want to make an impact in a good way to a world that um, despite your circumstances, you can be successful if you, so, if you so choose. I don't know that I will ever retire. Um, first of all, uh, can't afford to yet. But second of all, I like being active. I like having an active mind. So as long as I can do all this, I'm going to. Oh, yeah. There you go. And same with me. With my legacy, I just want to leave behind just the fact that it didn't matter if I was blind or not. It wasn't about necessarily my blindness that had an impact. It was just about the heart. You know, the fact that, you know, I see people as people, not as blind, not as this, not as that it's for people that's it yeah it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter where you've come from it doesn't matter what disability you have a person is a person and you know i'm a pro-life person there you go that's what i believe i you know i think we're all pro-life i think we've we have warped some of that in ways that we shouldn't have but um we are all part of the same world and we need exactly. to recognize that and accept it. Yep. 
Well, well, this has been great. And again, how can people reach out to you guys if they would like to do that? Um, yeah, also, please put them up as podcast. You can send me an email to sailor at realvarietyradio.com. Sailor is spelled. S-A-Y-L-O-R at R-E-A-L-V-A-R-E-T-Y-R-A-D-I-O.com. Well, it's I-E-T-Y. Yeah, it's B-A-R-I-E-T-Y. Oh, sorry. Radio.com, yeah. Um, yep. You can go to the website, realvarietyradio.com, and find us there as well. Also, Michael, um, I in my email signature is my business card containing all of my um, websites, and socials. We will, we will put it up. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you. Well, well and you I... Go ahead. Uh, unless you have anything else. Well, I will also just... I will also just say that if people... Will, I hope that you'll come back and listen to more episodes of Unstoppable Mindset. You can find us wherever podcasts are are available. And we ask that when you listen, that you give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. If people want to reach out to me, they can do so by emailing me at michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-I, at accessibe, A-C-C-E-S-S-I-B-E dot com. Or go to our podcast page, www.michaelhingson.com slash podcast. And you can find us there and find all of our episodes. And again, Sailor and Tyler, I want to thank you both for being on Unstoppable Mindset with us today. And thank you for having me on Real Variety Radio and Hope Without and Sight. Hope Without Sight, yes. Thanks. We appreciate yeah, that. podcast done. It's a collaborative podcast. And give us, and please... Do the same thing for Hope Without Sight. You can get us wherever you get podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Well, thank you guys both again. We appreciate you being on. Thank you. You bet. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hope Without Sight with Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans and got a lot of takeaways from this podcast. We hope you feel renewed, inspired, and encouraged like you can just carry on and conquer the world. Please hit the subscribe button on all platforms and tell your friends and family to do the same. And in the meantime, blessings to all.